Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to this episode of the Life with a Why interview series podcast. This is the interview series where we find out why people do what they do. And today, allow me to introduce you to Gabrielle Blackwell. If you only listen to the first 20 minutes of today's episode, you'll think that Gabrielle Blackwell, an SDR manager based out in Atlanta, we spend most of our time talking about magic, crystal, spirituality. But the deeper we dive into this lady, the deeper we learn how she works, how she thinks, and we have some of the most profoundly wise moments in this episode. We, the theme for this next three episode deep dive into the life of Gabrielle Blackwell is transformation. Gabrielle has gone through multiple forms of transformation, particularly in the last number of years. We learn why. We learn about her need for expression. A lot has happened to Gabrielle and we learn about her reactions, but also how she internalized those things. In this next section of the podcast, I will introduce you to what I knew about Gabrielle before we got, before we got talking and how I came to know that this would be a fantastic guest on this episode. Welcome to the podcast. There are a couple of reasons as to why I wanted to reach out to Gabrielle Blackwell to do the last three episodes of this season. Gabrielle is a very interesting person that, again, I'd come across on on LinkedIn. And I didn't know a huge amount about her before launching into these episodes. She had been recommended to me by our first guest, James Buckley. We reached out. We had a conversation. In that conversation, it became very apparent to me that Gabrielle had something that we could all learn from. Again, she had lived multiple lives, but Gabrielle is in her late 20s, early 30s, meaning she's an awful lot of learning that's been done quite recently. Going into this conversation, I knew that she had moved over to France and then had to come back to to America for that, that she had been divorced, that she had spent most of her time in sales. However, some of that was with good companies, some of that was with not so good companies. And when I say good companies and not so good companies, I'm talking about companies that treat their staff in a particular way. But there's also another element as to why I wanted to reach out. In another podcast, before in doing my prep, I had heard Gabrielle on another podcast, and she had talked about this kind of spirituality, magic with a K is what she calls it, witchcraft is another word that she had mentioned, And I wanted to figure out a little bit more about that side of things. I wanted to figure out a little bit more about how somebody starts to to believe in that side of things. In our preparation call, I learned a little bit more about her that we will crack into today. But overall, I go into this conversation not knowing her story, not knowing her timeline, not knowing much about her life but knowing that it's a story worth telling and knowing that it's a life worth talking about my prediction for the next couple of episodes is we will hear quite a bit of wisdom from somebody who has lived again multiple lives and somebody who has thought deeply about why they do what they do that is my prediction that is my hope for the next few episodes let's find out Gabrielle Blackwell, thank you very much for for joining us today. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all good. Uh, Interesting part in both of our lives at the moment, I believe. Um, So (laughs) so. I'm I'm really glad that we get to have uh, today's today's conversation. Um, So yeah, thank you very much for for joining. 
James mentioned that you'd be a, a fantastic guest. And from the conversations that we've had beforehand, I, I very much think, uh, without biasing the audience, I very much think so too. Um, at this stage, people will have a general sense as to who you are and what you do. Um, but I'd love for you to, to tell us, who are you to you? So, you know, without going over the CV points and what you've done and, hey, I'm, I'm all of this. Um, who are you to you? Yeah, I am a modern day hippie witch to myself. I spend a lot of time with my crystals, my plants, my tarot cards. I don't know astrology all that well, but I'm getting better at it. But that's who I am to myself. A modern day hippie witch. Yes. <laughs> um, so how, do, how does somebody even come to the conclusion that they are a modern day hippie witch what um what what does that look like to somebody who has no idea what those words sort of mean yeah i um i think growing up all of my friends would call me kind of a hippie like mm -hmm. fairy kind of person kind of the spirit of a gypsy and what this means is i was always somebody who liked to get up and go um so after i graduated from college i lived in paris for a couple of years i moved back home to chicago for a year i moved to portland for two years i moved to new york and i just remember with my friends they were like why don't you just stay for a little while but the folks who like knew me best knew that that wasn't really in my spirit to do um and then when i lived in new york for a year i i wasn't working whatsoever and i went on this uh, eat, pray, love journey. And I would find myself in these bookstores. Like that was my way of exploring New York City was to go from one bookstore to the next. And I found myself in this one store called Namaste. And it's a metaphysical shop. And within there you have all these different texts and these books, whether it's religious or spiritual or the occult or the esoteric, you have crystals that are there, you have singing bowls. And I remember walking into the shop and it was like this wonderland more than anything else. So as I was exploring this bookstore, I was also exploring like tarot cards in them uh, and the meaning of crystals, the energy that it brings. Um, and there were books about magic and witchcraft. And it wasn't the kind of witchcraft that my grandma warned me about, but it was, hey, like, the, like these practices and these rituals can be a gateway to finding more about oneself. Um, I was also going through what I'll call like a crisis of faith right before that time where I abandoned my Christianity as I felt like it didn't really suit me anymore. So as I was exploring these texts, these tools, these practices within this kind of like witchy setting, I was like, oh, this resonates so strongly with me. And so that's really what I mean by this kind of modern day hippie witch kind of person, which is it's not the kind of witch that I would think about as I'm you know, watching a Disney movie, but much more about, all right, hey, like there are practices, there are rituals for self-exploration and for connection to kind of the greater I am kind of thing. A modern day hippie witch who works in sales? Yes. <laughs> so how do you marry those two things? Oh, that's interesting. I'm still exploring that, if I'm being really, really honest. Um, what I, what I have, I think the, the benefit of having gone through this exploration through the lens of like magic or witchcraft or the metaphysical, uh, especially during a time where I wasn't working was I got to know myself that much better. And so if 
I feel like the more that I know myself, the more that I can show up, the better that I can be. And I'm managing a team as well. So it's not just about, all right, hey, you need to hit your metrics, you need to hit your numbers, but it also is, hey, what are the practices, what are the rituals that are going to enable you to be able to show up day in and day out? If you know yourself, right, you won't have to worry about, uh, oh, hey, someone hung up on me today, someone called me uh, a mean name, right? You won't have to internalize that because you know who you are. Um, and even for myself, I think there is a, there are times with friends of mine in sales where they're like, oh, I feel really bad. I don't know what to do next. What should I, what should I do in my next step in my career, for example? And they, I can hear them spiraling. And I go, you know what? I'm going to go read a tarot card, <laughs> you know, because a tarot card, like if you think about tarot cards, there are like 72 cards in each deck or 72 or 76. And each card is supposed to represent, some, essentially is an archetype of some experience in life, right? So it's just to offer perspective. So a lot of times I'll use these tools to offer perspective. And sometimes that perspective can be super helpful to get somebody through to that next step. So for me, it's, it really is like a, a means of, again, for me, I can get that much more connected to myself. And with that, I can connect that much more deeply with others, whether that benefits me as a manager, as a salesperson looking to connect with others who potentially might want to buy our solution, or even if I'm coaching, right, I can connect with those people that much more deeply. So you're kind of using the tools that you've learned in this, in that area of your life um, to supplement and to help the the other area of your life in the sales. We are definitely going to be coming back to that. <laughs> um, but at this stage, people will have a, so, oh, and just to, just in case anybody doesn't know, what is your job? What, oh, yeah. what do you do yeah. um, before we, before we crack into this next Yeah. Session? So I have been working in sales development primarily for the past six years. I've been an AE. I've also been a sales enablement manager right now. I'm an SDR manager at gong.io revenue intelligence company. So, um, yeah, I manage one of their teams in the commercial segment. Fantastic. And you've been, you've been doing sales for quite some time. Six years now. Yeah. I don't know um, if it's quite some time. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a fair, short time. People either, people either stay in sales, uh, like, like, like you have, or they do like six months and then they go do something else and they yeah, realize. Right. Um, so I think in sales, anything longer than two years can end up in quote unquote, quite some time. Oh no, planned. this is my career. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, before we go into the career side of things, I'd love for people to get to know you as you. Um, so can I ask, what was the most amazing adventure you've ever been on? The one that really, not I won't even say shaped, but when I said the words amazing adventure, something clicked in your head. Yes. So you, I can see it. You yeah. triggered a memory. Yep. What was that memory? Okay, cool. So I was in Santorini, Greece a few years ago for my mom's 50th birthday. And my mom and I, we woke up really early one morning, like before the sun even came out. Um, and, and where we're staying, um, like we could like actually face the sea, right? So we kind of climb up from the side of this mountain where our, where our hotel Airbnb room was. Um, and we walk up to like where everyone can walk. Um, and as we're walking down the sidewalk kind of thing, we come across this dog and this dog just like starts following us. Right. And like walking, like walking with us, we're like walking down the street or walking down this kind of like sidewalk kind of thing. And then we, we, we meet the road and the dog is still walking with us. And my mom's like, 
hey, listen, there's like a hike path somewhere. I just don't know where to get it, like where to actually find it. And she's trying to pull out her GPS. I'm pulling out my GPS. Our internet's not working. We can't connect anywhere. And we're essentially walking down the side of this highway road. And the dog starts to go like, kind of like walk off to the side and up this hill. And I'm like, all right, mom, why don't we just follow the dog and see what happens? And this dog leads us to this hiking path that like we didn't know existed. Um, there were like some abandoned like ruins kind of thing. Um, like nobody was actually on this hiking path and he ends up leading us to this absolutely amazing view of the sea where there's like some cliffs that we can both sit on, take amazing pictures. Um, and as like, like as soon as we like got to this most beautiful place, right? This beautiful, fantastic pictures. He's like, all right, I'll see you later. So I remember this dog like led us, he's our tour guide for the better part of an hour, right? To go like see like the sun uh, as the sun was rising, um, to see this beautiful, amazing spot that we, again, like we would have had no idea existed and then led us back to this hiking path where everybody else was walking so that we were safe. But I remember naming this dog Paul. I was like, what are the chances that we would have this like spiritual guide dog named Paul to like lead us along the way to this amazing place that we both had no idea existed and that we wouldn't be able to find on a map either so um then we i mean we continued our day where we yeah we hiked across the entire island um we got our uh what do you call those the atvs that we could ride across the island as well like stopped up at the beach like we had i don't know we just had an amazing adventure but i think that the start of the day with Paul the dog, like Paul the street dog was the, the best thing that's ever happened. So Paul knew exactly where to bring you guys. He's like, listen, y'all are walking the wrong way. I'll show you, I'll show you where the like the locals go. <laughs> okay, that is that is fantastic. There, um, I've got a few stories so far, and that is the most the most random um way of, of being introduced to to Greece. Um. Yeah, yeah. It was. I think it was like our fourth or fifth day there as well. So we we had been on the island for a little while. Um, and my mom was like, "Oh yeah, like here's the hiking path. We just have to go down this way." Paul was like, "Nah, follow me. I won't. I won't mislead you." And we just followed this dog. Yeah, absolutely. You just. <laughs> I'm assuming the dog knew full well. Oh yeah, these humans are following me. We know what's going on here. I'm in charge. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny because yeah, he like started walking up the hill and he was just waiting for us. I go, Mom, I think we need to follow the dog. <laughs> what a spontaneous thing to do. Um, yes. And actually, is that a word that you think would be would be used to to describe you in general? Spontaneous. Oh yeah, absolutely, definitely. And you always have been because I mean, you mentioned at the beginning people were talking about being. I think you said the word fairy or fairy energy. Now, there's mm-hmm. a saying over in Ireland, away with the fairies, which means somebody is kind of listless and just uh, spontaneous and able to do just kind of, yeah, you're nodding. Uh, it sounds, yeah, it sounds. That seems, right. that seems appropriate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> seems appropriate. I like it. Um, so, and you've been sort of spontaneous in this. And has this been a constant throughout your life? I mean, we all have different versions of ourselves. So actually, there's a, there's a question I'm going to ask. I feel that to myself, I'm not all that spontaneous. Mm -hmm. I do, I have a tendency to ruminate or I can fall susceptible to ruminating quite a bit. That being said, there are things that um, 
I believe others would see as spontaneous that for me, it's like, I'll go through a whole process of, okay, should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? Should I not? I'm like, what am I scared of exactly? Am I scared of what other people think? Am I scared that if I do this thing, if I try this thing, I'm going to land on my face? And then there's that piece of, if I keep sitting here and thinking about this, I'll never do it. So best thing to do is just to like go, like, just go like all in head first and run with it and see what happens later. Right. So, um, I do think that there could be this perception of being spontaneous or impulsive at times. For me, I feel as though I do put a lot of thought into the actions that I take. I think I just like, maybe my thoughts just go really, really <laughs> quickly, which is a full possibility. Um, and, and I, and I go for it. So, um, it's, it, I think there are some times where people will say, wow, like you just picked up and you left the country. And for me, I was like, I spent six months thinking about it. I might just have told you about it two weeks ago. That makes sense. That, that very much makes sense. Um, I like that actually, you would, you would have spent quite a bit of while thinking about it and very internalized and then externalized it just before the actual action was taken. Um, oh yeah. No, if I, if I were to share like half the things that I think about doing with others, they would convince me otherwise. So it's like, listen, if I want to see this through, I just keep it to myself until I'm like 80% of the way there. Where I, I like that a lot. Um, has that been something, well, uh, we mentioned there are different versions of you. So moving into that, have, how many versions of you have, have there been? And when did Ooh. this version of you solidify? Um, I'd love to get Ooh. a sense of, you know, your life as a whole. There have been about three yeah. versions. How many Gabrielles I mean, have there been? I think, I think this version of me, you're going to laugh. I think this version of me solidified about a week and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, since I came into your life, you know what? I'm fully claiming. This. I'm fully claiming this. Oh my um, gosh! But, basically, uh, yeah, tell me basically. More. So, um, I I think there have been iterations. Okay, so there's like been iterations of Gabrielle, um, and and I feel as though I've reached a point in life where I'm iter. It's like the iterations are coming that much more quickly. I'm less. I'm less resistant to change. I think that's a, a really big reason why. So I think there was like me um, growing up, I already, had, I think I shared this with you, right? Where um, uh, there is this one piece of my story that includes not having grown up with my dad. And there was a time from the time I was about two to four years old where he was like somewhat involved. Um, he had another, he had a family, right? And I was the other child. And then from four until 10, it's my dog. <laughs> I, told, I told you she was going to be coming. What a, what, what, a, what a fantastic moment for her to make in it. Wow. <laughs> You're here, like, what is the sound system now? Yeah, so this what is a, how she wakes me up in the morning. She's just like, come here and I'm going to lick your face a lot. So to anybody listening, I will be putting this section up as a short clip just so that you get the privilege of, of seeing uh, Gabrielle's dog. Gabrielle, what is your dog's name? Luna. Luna, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Luna is, is very cute and I'm going to blame uh, any and all external noises on her instead of my bad editing skills. Um, no, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, she'll appreciate it. She'll appreciate it. Um, 
Um, and now back to the very serious topic of your dad. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So there's, how to put that? Yeah. So, um, so my dad was like somewhat present from the two to four, completely absent from four to 10, basically, right. Until it kind of showed back up a little bit. And so I think that there is this like person that I was, that was deeply influenced by his first presence and then his absence. And then when he became present again, the resentment that I had towards him, right. That, and then resentment that I internalized as well. And it kind of like backfired on me. So there was this, uh, I think there was like, right. The person that I was from like two to four, right. Or an earlier than the person that I was from like four to 10 when he showed up. And then there was like 10 to about, I probably say like 27, Right. And then I had this, I had a, a major breakdown that was a combination of, I think, years of resentment, plus working at this place that was incredibly hostile towards me. And it just became so overwhelming. Then there was this Gabrielle that like had to figure out what to do, right, with all the pieces. So for me, that breakdown was like a mass combustion right? Where everything flew out and I could finally kind of get through all the, the rubble <laughs> that got left behind from feeling like so abandoned. And then I had this opportunity to kind of like rebuild myself, right? And to solidify myself. And then I started to like do that solidification over and over and over again. And it happened so, so often, so much. And I think these past couple of weeks, these past few weeks, I finally started getting some real closure on all right, there was an experience that I had when I was younger with a man who came into my life, who left my life, right? Who came back in and I had to decide for myself, okay, is that gonna be the reason why I don't enjoy life fully? That I don't seek after the experiences that bring me joy. And those experiences can range from my friendships, right? To my relationships, to my relationship with work, to the relationship with my coworkers. So I'm like, I'm no longer going to settle. And that to me is something that I felt like, wow, I actually can achieve that. I know exactly what I need to do to achieve that. And that level of awareness really hasn't come to the surface or that I, I haven't been able to access that until the past few weeks. So for me, again, like, I think there's this um, like, oh, wow, the more that I accept the change, right? The more that I accept the fact that I'm always going to have different iterations of Gabrielle, the more fully that I can appreciate and enjoy my life. So when I say like, all right, hey, like, I feel like this, this version of Gabrielle that solidified has come in the last week and a half or so, I, I'm like, all right, cool. What happens in a few months? right? Like what's yeah. going to be the next iteration of Gabrielle? That makes sense. So it's um, this idea that this current version of that, the one that I'm talking to is, um, is around now. Um, however, she may not exist in three months time. Uh, three yeah. Time. I think there, there's a, it's, there's uh, always this, um, okay. If I want to go back and do, I got into mythology, not a lot, a lot, but enough to tell some stories. And so there's supposed to be this like first, the, the, the first God, right. In Greek mythology is chaos. Like that's where everything mm. is born out of. This is like mythical it's not even a creature. It's like this mythical existence. Like think about it almost like a black hole kind of thing. And from chaos, everything springs forth. And so I almost think about it like this, there's like a flower, right? So the flower keeps on blossoming and blossoming and blossoming and blossoming and blossoming. So that's the way that I kind of 
like feel about myself, right? Which is, there's always something unfurling. There's always something blossoming. And if I allow it, right, I'll get to see that much more beauty, right? Like, okay, like how much beauty can I tolerate? <laughs> how much beauty can I tolerate? You're, you're describing yourself as a, as a flower that keeps blossoming. Um, I really quite like that because I imagine it would have taken quite a bit of work to come to an element of, of, self-confidence and self-acceptance to describe yourself in that such a way um particularly from you know my experience of people who've grown up with with one one parent zero parents one and a half those kinds of things um so let's chat about your life from a macro level right now before we sort of delve delve deep into it there are a couple of elements that um I've spotted so far, but we really have broken it up into a couple of different timings. Um, from what I can see, we've got your childhood, which is dominated by the presence and then lack thereof of, of your dad. But then you mentioned 10 to 27, and that's that's 17 years. That's that's half your life where, and that's kind of in one block. Um and then since then, so you mentioned that at, at 27, you had this uh, this breakdown, as you call it, where you looked at all of these pieces and re-put them back together. And that's that's where we get where you are today. Um, but there's that block there, 10 to 27. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's typically where people go through massive amounts of transformation. If nothing else, college, you go to college in that time, you go to secondary school in that, or high school uh, in that time, and then you go to... Um, you start the working world. That's a that that's a big block. I imagine there were quite a few changes during that period of your life as well. Maybe maybe that's a great call out because how to put this? If you hear noise in the background, look, Luna's having a good time, and now we know it's not even it's it's my mom. Oh, <laughs> I was like, mom, can you hold on for a second? <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's all good. Um... No one cares. <laughs> It's all G. Um, so yeah, you mentioned 10 to, to 27. 10 to 20, yeah, so what you shared of, all right, hey, it's 10 to 27, usually there's all these transformations that are happening. So again, this is, this is the observation that I have. I think there's the things that you can see on the outside, right? There's the linear changes that are happening, which is, all right, you move from like one grade to the next, you move from primary school to like junior high, junior high to high school, high school to college, right? Within the American system. Um, You're going to grow like biologically going from a girl, right? To like, you know, going through puberty, becoming a woman, those kind of things. That being said, for me, when I say like, there's this person that I was, or this iteration of myself from 10 to 27, I think there's the things that are deep below, right? Such as our, our thoughts, our beliefs, our values, the way that we view ourselves. And so for me, like the way that I view myself now, this is why I'm saying like, it's, it's different for me now, um, uh, even versus like a month ago, right? So like from 10 to 27, I think the way that I looked at myself was pretty much the same. Uh, as a young girl, I had to try and rationalize like why is my dad not around for example and there's probably all like this might be something that everybody knows but for the people who don't right like when kids see something they're trying they're trying to figure out why is this happening more often than not the child will blame themselves they'll internalize it they'll go oh this is happening because i'm bad this is happening because i'm not good enough it's happening because something that's 
within me. There's some intrinsic quality that is in the way. And so if, there, if that is a thought process, right, that's the belief, that's the agreement that I made with myself to rationalize why my father wasn't around or why there were certain things happening in my life that I couldn't make sense out of. And I never actually challenged that belief. I never acknowledged the existence of that agreement that I made with myself. I never had the opportunity to dismantle it. Like that to me is what causes a lot of challenges, right? A lot of, I think like strain during that 10 year old to 27 year old mark. So during all of that time, your main sort of paradigm in your head, the main thing that was going on was anything negative that happened in your life was as a result of you. It was as a result of you and your actions. You were fully responsible for anything and everything. Can I ask, did that also, did that also apply to the positive? Um, I remember I did this, like, uh, what do they call it? Like a, a life journey line, mm -hmm. S something like that. And you're supposed to uh, imagine like, you know, your age, right, is on the X axis, and then your level of happiness is on the Y axis. And so for me, there were like, there were some peaks, right, but it was most like, it's like, happiness was never sustainable in this, in this world. It's like, and so like, to answer your question, I don't know that I could actually hold space for, oh, wow, there's something good happening in my life, because I'm bad. Like, oh, like this goodness is a fluke. Oh, wow. What a mental space that'll put you in. Um, yes. Yeah. So I, and it's, it's, and so I think there's, there is, it's, uh, it's an interesting place as well. So I did this inner saboteur uh, assessment, right? That there's like the positive intelligence. Was this, I'm assuming this was after all of this was, or was this during? Yeah. No, so all this, all like all these, like all right now, I wanna, I wanna get in. Like this is this year. All this is this science. year, okay. man. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, okay. I realized I was like, you know what? Here's the thing, I I recognize at a point that how to put this. I'm I'm gonna say this with as much compassion, as much care for myself as as possible. I didn't. Um, I had to admit to myself, like, wow. I don't know how to just be happy. I don't know how to give myself credit. It would be one thing to stay there, right? So like what happened in the past would have been like, because there's something wrong with me, but instead it goes, because I haven't learned how to yet. So like, I have to go and find the resources. I have to go get myself skilled up, right? I gotta go build up those competencies. So I gotta find teachers, like, and those teachers can be, coaches right so coach I've, I've had three coaches this year right where so like a, a couple of them at the same time it could be therapists it can be counselors it can be um like for me it could be going to see a numerologist right <laughs> like it's like all right like i'm i'm incredibly curious about what i can learn and especially what i can learn in the context of how i view myself and like what is what is it uh how do i create meaning in my life like how do i how do I access fulfillment and joy and see that as something sustainable over time versus something that is fleeting, right? And always out of grasp. So for, so for me, like these, that, that inner saboteur, getting back to kind of what I was about to share is um, this inner saboteur assessment is looking at, all right, hey, like we all have kind of heard about the inner critic, but let's say there's like nine 
different archetypes of your inner critic. And so for mine, my top two are high achiever and restless. So for me, it's like, I, I, I've written this down so many times in my journal of, all right, I just want people to be proud of me. If people, if I, if I do something, it's not just me, but like I prove to somebody, I always have to prove to somebody that I'm worth loving, that I'm worth paying attention to, that I'm worth being around, right? And investing into, but it, it's not because of me, it's gonna be because of my achievements, which is like, which is like, I can achieve a lot of things. Like I went to a great school, <laughs> like academically, I think it's like one of the top five or at the time that I graduated, it was a top three school in the nation. Um, I could do really well in my career. I can get really great results. But as soon as I walk out of the classroom, as soon as I walk out of work, I'm a hot mess, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know lie. who to be and I don't know what to be. That does not surprise me. The thing where you mentioned that's this idea of um, in, uh, being very good at the academic uh, side of things because you mentioned this, uh, this thing of um, everything is my fault. Therefore, it's very easy to get when you get 99% on a test to go, okay, that 1% was my fault. Because in a way, that's kind of the way the education system trains us to think. However, it's also very easy then to disregard the 100%. It's disregard to disregard the top marks and go, okay, well, that's expected. I need to now focus on where I'm yep. going down. And I think that would have actually fed into the way that you were thinking at the time. Um. Something is striking me here that I think is worth asking you about. You mentioned that this idea of you, you find the need to prove that you're worth loving and this element. And it's very great that you know this now that you had, you had blamed yourself for all of these things. Um, and that you were, you had to train yourself into, in, into the habit of happiness and training yourself into the, into the idea that I, I deserve good things and positive things are not negative or yeah, positive things are not just the lack of a negative. But that takes a certain sense of self-awareness, which the impression I'm getting is one that is newfound and not necessarily one that you've had all along. So to what extent has this idea of, I need to prove that I'm worth all of these things what extent did they play in this idea? Did this play in your life before you became aware that it was playing, having an impact on your life and this was just the way things were? Can you repeat that in a different way? Sure. This paradigm of, I need to prove that I'm worth lo loving. I need to prove myself to other people. That only stops. So that only becomes a positive thing when you know that it's happening, when you can spot it and you can go, oh, that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm doing that thing again. That mm -hmm. takes a certain level of self-awareness that you've only learned recently. Yep. So what impact did that paradigm have before you learned that it was happening? Because obviously then it just becomes the norm. You know what? I'm, I'm going to answer this. Uh, when we did our prep sesh, right? When we, when we met the last, like last week, right? And I talked about, um, what did, how did you share it of like, right? There's, there's a hero's journey where, you know, you kind of go from, being one way and then you become another way. And I talked about that transition point. There's that node, right? That you hit. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's like, that's where the paradigm shift happens. And that to me was the hardest part of it all. So I've talked about this breakdown. I can, you can also call it like a spiritual awakening or you go through some kind of like post-traumatic growth, right? So for me, I felt like that paradigm of, um, 
all right, I'm not good enough, right? I'm, I'm a bad person. Like there's that deep core agreement, that deep core belief that I wasn't aware of. Um, what I, without having the awareness around it, I think it, it caused me a lot more suffering than I actually had the ability to handle. And that is what like led to a major breakdown, right? There's this, I think like, okay, for me anyways, there's probably only so much. Let's say that my tolerance level for, excuse my language, bullshit, right? Where like bullshit is like, it's not just a matter of like, oh, that's annoying, but like deep hostility, right? Is a hundred. At 27, I like, or yeah, at 27, I think I like something happened that blew that tolerance cap off. And I started to dismantle basically. So in this breakdown, I think I had to, or this spiritual awakening, I just remember there were like images that I got or um, yeah, there were images that would surface up. Like there was a story that I could see very, very clearly, even though it seemed really chaotic to everyone else. And what I had to recognize was go, you know what? It's not because I'm a bad person. It's because a lot of really bad things happened around me. And I, and I suffered and I was suffering within that. And it's not to say like, I shouldn't have to confuse my suffering with some kind of intrinsic characteristic, some character flaw, like I'm human. And I think I had the opportunity to like, just go, wow, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in life. And like, I could be kinder to myself. And I remember coming out of that experience going, I know what to do now. I know that I need to be interested in myself. I know that I need to be curious about myself. I know that I need to be compassionate towards myself because these were things that I was not demonstrating. And I went through an experience and also within that breakdown, I mean, there was, um, there was number one, like I had to leave work, right? I couldn't find work for a while. I had gotten it because I could say I got in trouble with the cops during that time. I got a misdemeanor. So it's like this thing, like it costs a lot. Right. Well, in the grand scheme of things, I'm like, that was, it'll be a small, it's a small cost now. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, Hey, like I get to experience what I experience now. I get to be where I'm at now. And I get to have the view of, wow, it's only going to keep on growing. That's amazing. And that's new. But like at that time I had to go, you know what? I cannot afford to keep on believing that there's something wrong with me. I can't do this again. So I have to learn something totally new. And the first thing, again, like when I became kind of conscious, when I came to was I got to get a lot more curious about myself and I'm, and I commit to being incredibly interested in learning more about what interests me. So once I, like I, when I, when I made that commitment, right, when I made that, I became dedicated to myself um, and I would imagine, right, as when I'm saying this out loud, it's just now processing I'd imagine that like the commitment, the dedication that I, that I've been showing to myself these past few years was the kind of dedication commitment that I would have wanted for my father. So as soon as I said, Hey, listen, I'm not going to wait for somebody else to give this to me. Right. I'm going to embody that, which I, that, which I wish to see from others and myself, I'm going to award myself that experience from and for myself, right? And then once I actually know what it means to be dedicated and committed to myself, maybe then I'll have a better awareness of what it, like, what it looks like from others. But without that kind of awareness, then I would go to anyone and everyone. And it's just like, whether it's my relationships, my friendships, as well as the kind of workplaces that I was in. I think that's a lesson people don't get until they're much later on in their lives. And 
this is i think this is very important you said uh, and correct me if i'm wrong here but you had to learn what you needed and then give it to yourself in order to be able to know when and how other people were giving it to you yep yep and that then i'm going to assume will factor into every relationship be it romantic be it platonic be it familial um and you'll know you'll have that knowledge of hey if let's let's take a romantic side of things you'll be able to go to somebody and go i need this this is what it looks like mm-hmm. I, i can get it or i can't or um or even better yet in that regard is i how to put this listen here's what i can really appreciate and if you're not able to deliver that i always can deliver it to myself right like i recognize i guess like i recognize my own worth i recognize my own value i recognize what i can give and what i can offer because i've given it and offered it to myself first so there can be this piece of all right hey like i know this about myself I know my own worth, I know my own self-esteem. Therefore, if I'm in a relationship with someone else, right? Like let's say a romantic one. I mean, there's the whole piece around work as well. If I'm at a workplace and I know my worth, I know what I'm capable of and I'm surrounded I'm, I'm in an environment where other folks are not recognizing that, does it mean that what I see and what I believe in myself isn't true? It just means that I can't do what I need to do in this place fine like okay well what do i need what's required right like all right hey like here's what i see here's when i feel my absolute best um here's the kind of models that i need in my life right in order to get that next to that next step and i think at this point in time you're kind of talking about like law of attraction kind of stuff right if mm. i'm in that vibe if i'm in that inner if i'm in that energy like likes going to try or well i say opposites attract but like for me, if I'm, uh, this gets back to the hippie dippy witch stuff, right? Like if I'm occupying a frequency, right? And it could be good, bad, somewhere in between, that's the kind of energy that's going to keep on coming back to me. The universe will go, okay, cool. Like you're in a bad mood. We're going to keep you, like, we're going to keep you in a bad mood. But as soon as I go, you know what, I'm in a bad mood, but I don't want to be in a bad mood. What does it take for me to get out of this bad mood and into a better mood, right? And that might be going on a walk, that might be listening to a podcast, that might be calling an old friend, talking to my grandma, right? And I go, okay, cool. How can I how can I frequent this space more often? And I keep so I I end up frequenting a better space. And the universe goes, oh, you want to be in a better space? Let me give you some more stuff to like help you frequent that space that much more. Until I go, okay, cool, next level, right? So I mean, and that kind of mirrors what I was talking about that iteration, right? That I, that I've been going through, which is all right. I'm in this space, right? It took me it took me a while to go like. 10 to 10 to 27 i was in there for a minute right mm-hmm. so 10 to 20 that's why i say like i didn't really go through a lot of transformations because i was stuck universe says okay cool like keep on being stuck no problem i'll keep on giving you stuff to be stuck oh you don't believe in yourself we'll keep on sending you people and places and situations that validate your thoughts that validate your beliefs so as soon as i changed my beliefs right as soon as my belief set was challenged as soon as there was a crack right and as soon as like i could escape from that right i can get out of that i can dismantle that whatever it was then it's like okay cool like here's the next thing to support you until i learned how to do that better and faster so for me that's why i say like that it took like a week and a half right in two weeks i might be in a new spot two weeks you might not even be able to talk to me 
Sorry, man. I'm vibrating at such a high frequency. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be an interesting call. Um, (laughs) Well, what kind of experiences did you need to have in order to know what you needed? Or I think it's more likely for you to know what you really didn't need, because that's also really important. So what what kind of experiences did you did you need to have to be able to have all the information or as much information as you could to go okay this happened and i do not want that again this happened i'm okay with it i learned this i didn't learn this what experiences did you need to have you know i i gotta i gotta always bring it back to the breakdown like well we've mentioned it a couple of times right can you describe yeah can you give me a a description of, of that Okay, so I'll I'll walk through the details. Like there's like the the nitty gritty things that, and I and I hope that it I hope it makes as much sense as possible to be accessible. No so as I mentioned, um, I so just imagine somebody having like uh, experiencing psychosis, right? Like I during that time, I remember feeling so paranoid and that was, there was one part of that. There was this extreme paranoia that was there. There was definitely a lot of fear because I knew that there was something happening, right? That I, and, and I didn't know exactly what it was. I didn't, I was like, something bad is happening, right? There's something going on with me and I don't know what it is. I didn't really have a full awareness of how I was presenting or what I was doing or why I was doing it. There was like this restlessness that was going, that was going on. And there was one day where um, I remember feeling so scared, so scared to even go home because I was afraid that I'm like, all right, there's like, I was scared to inhabit myself is the best way to put it. I was like, if I go home, I'm scared that I'll end my life. Like that's where I was. So I remember going, I was like, okay, well, where can I feel safe? And I love books. Like if I was upstairs, you would see all my books. Like I have like five, five or six bookshelves. (laughs) Like It's like, there's a lot going on. And I remember going to the bookstore because I remember like that's where I would go. I'm a total nerd. I love being in the bookstore. That was a safe space for me. And so I remember going to the bookstore, except they were closing. And I was like, please, like, I won't make any trouble. Just like let me stay here, please. And they're like, no, you can't because we're closing. And 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 so I I uh I um I remember like finding my way upstairs and I just like uh I, I wouldn't leave. So they call the cops. And the cops come and I refuse to go with them. I resisted, right, them trying to take me away, um, end up getting arrested and going into the, into the station. And so when I went into the station, um, it's like, it was, I was just in this room, which I call it the why me cell, <laughs> right, where I like, like, all I could do was just think about, like, like, I felt so sorry for myself. And I felt like there was just this almost like this exorcism that was happening, like all of these terrible thoughts, all of the demons, all the hauntings came out and I had to face them every single time, right? In order to expel them. And so there was this moment where I remember um, being in this room and I, it's like, I had this like hood over my head and it's like, I, I can't even explain like every single detail of it, but I just remember at the end of it, I could finally breathe when I kind of like feet, like I, I beat this last thing. And I just remember sitting back and going, there is something really wrong, right? There's, there's something really wrong. And I was like about to find out what that was. And so I was, uh, uh, at this point in time, the police had figured out, (laughs) 
she's having a full on mental breakdown. We got to like transfer her to the psych place, right? We got to, we got to transfer her to like the psychology, whatever ward. So I go into this next room, which I call a suicide room. Um, cause that's just, those are the terms that I've given it. And when I get in, when I got into this room, um, I, I had, I've been given like this pink shirt, like these like jean kind of pants. Um, they gave me a blanket and, um, uh, this kind of like yarnish blanket and they gave me a notepad. And I remember I just started to write. I wrote, like I filled out the entire notepad. I don't remember every single thing that I wrote, but, uh, after I was done writing, it's like, okay, what's the next thing that I need to do? And I remember being like, okay, I got to keep myself active. I have to do something. And I thought, what would my grandma do? Because my grandma's my star and my grandma really likes to sew and, um, and she likes to quilt and I go, okay, well, grandma would quilt. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how to quilt. And so I just ended up taking like the materials that I had around me. Uh, I had my shirt, I had the blanket, I had these pants. So I started to rip them into pieces and I would craft these like, I just, I had like a full on arts and craft in this room, but every time I would go to craft something, it would tell a story. So every single piece of material, if the, if the guards brought food into this room, I would start to use, I wouldn't actually eat the food. I would use the food to paint something, to illustrate something. So it, one, it made me feel good to express myself. Right. And that becomes super important. Is this like, and I'm sure we'll have time to go over this, but there was this first, this wow, it feels so good to, exp to express myself, to not hold everything in. And there's a second part of, as I was expressing myself, I was also allowing myself to recognize, wow, this has been the arc of my life, right? Which is, there were things that happened when I was younger, right? There were things that happened when I was a teenager. Um, whether it was things with my, with my parents, right? Whether it was, you know, kind of having challenges with discrimination at school, discrimination at work, right? And for a moment I got to go, like, I, it's like my whole life unfolded in front of me. Like I got to tell myself my life story in my own view, my own internal view. And it wasn't a, you are a bad person. And again, it was, hey, there's been a lot of things that have happened that have been really unfortunate. And then, right, there was an experience of, okay, cool, what happens next? <laughs> and like, I'm still answering that question because it was, it's figurative, it's metaphorical. It's like, okay, like I'm going to travel through the desert. I'm going to travel across the rivers. I'm going to go up this mountain and I'm going to reach its peak, right? So for me, I'm like, all right, I already know what's for me. Like, I already know what the end of my story is or what my the unfolding of my story. And it's great. So like, I don't have to worry anymore. The rest of the stuff, like all of the unfortunate events, right? Like that's in the past and I know where I'm going. So like, again, like this, like that, that experience of seeing my story unfold in front of me and this really interesting, this is probably what influences my hippie dippy witch, <laughs> right? Like modern day witch kind of vibe and feel and identity um, is like, I got to tell myself a really beautiful story that I really got to believe in. And when I, again, when I came to, when I kind of got out of that place of, whatever we want to call it, I was like, all right, cool. I have my compass, right? I have my navigation. I know that my story is a great one. So I don't have to be worried about all the little tiny things that happen. Cause like little tiny things happen all the time. Most of the time I just tell them shoe fly. Don't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> um... Does that make sense? What? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing. Um, 
So you came out of this uh, place of expressing yourself in ways you hadn't expressed yourself before. And it was almost like, God, I'm getting this image in my head of like an artist sitting on a wall painting murals with, yes. um, and then standing back and looking at the murals and going, okay, cool. Now I yeah. know where I'm going. That that mural makes sense. That yep. was coming out of my head. Now I know where yes. it is. Yes. It's now out of me. But what happened next? So as far as I'm aware in this story, you are sitting in, as you call it, the suicide room. As far as I'm concerned, is this in the police station or is this in the yes, psych it's ward? It, uh, so the psych ward is in the police station. So there was oh, like, there's like okay, the regular so place and then there's like the mental ward place of the of the police oh, station so this was yes. a holding cell for mentally ill people yes i see my brain went into a place where somebody gets help for such a thing but no okay so those oh no i hadn't people. gotten help yet okay <laughs> no um, it was full on full on in a whole other dimension yes okay that makes sense yeah so there you are you get all of these as you call them demons out yeah and you've 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 painted this picture uh, literally and figuratively what happens next yeah so uh i um thank goodness for my mom she my mom actually i was in portland oregon at the time my mom actually flew out to portland she hired a lawyer she was like she needs legitimate help because so my mom had gone through similar experiences not with the police necessarily but um yeah, she's like, she needs help. So found a way to actually get me to a hospital that could attend to my mental health. So the next step was, um, it was, you know, it's, I'm going to laugh. I'm, now, now that I have the opportunity to laugh about this, I haven't been able to actually take joy in the story. I got to tell you, uh, fully, but I remember again, like I, I was in this, I was in this space of awareness where I felt free deep down freedom. I found, I found a levity, a relief more like I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And so, but I'm still very much in this kind of like hyper manic state that people are like, she's still a problem. So I just remember we went to, um, the police, um, escorted me over to the hospital. The hospital takes me in. Um, and, and I am just so I'm excited. I'm ecstatic. And they were like, listen, we got to calm you down. So they actually uh, gave me tranquilizers, um, right, to calm me down. And then there was a blackout for three days. I have no idea what happened in those three days. But when I came to, I was dressed in my clothes. Um, so my, my mom had gone to my apartment, had gotten me clothes, brought it to the hospital. So I was dressed in my clothes, um, but I was in the hospital in the room. And that's what I mentioned of like, when I came to, right I kind of woke up and I realized and I go okay that happened and now I know what to do right so like that's that's what happened next and so like the then then after that it's like I had to spend some time in the hospital for a little while right before they could actually let me out because I was also under observation by by uh whatever government agency it is right of like all right hey is she on her best behavior or do we need to like keep her as a ward of the state. Um, I so after a couple of weeks of being there, I went home. After that, I, I moved to New York a few months later. Right, I did my book my bookshop tours. I found the Namaste store. I found many other metaphysical stores. I got to 
I, I journaled a lot. <laughs> like I'd always journaled like since I was 16, but I journaled a lot. I kept on, I kept on like breaking the seams, right. And figuring out, okay, like what's underneath, what's underneath. Do I want this? Does it, it's almost like a Marie Kondo. Does this bring me joy? This, this thing here, if it's Marie a yes, Kondo-ing I keep it. Your brain. <laughs> Yeah. Or my existence, my energy, my soul, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So it's like, does this bring me joy? Yes or no. So there was definitely a period of just like, again, like self-exploration of, all right, like, how do I, for me, I asked the question, how do I really feel about this? Because at that time, like my, my, my father was still somebody that I had um, contact with. Right. So at the end of like, almost at the end of my year in New York, even I recognized, I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually really painful for me to continue this relationship. I'm tired of being in pain. You came out of, you said that when you were in that painting state, and that's the word I'm going to use for now, that you suddenly came out of it going, okay, um, those are minor things that have happened. They're, as you said, flies. And I now know where I need to go. Mm-hmm. Where do you need to go? Ooh, I don't, well, right now, like I, it wasn't even a matter of like, I know where I need to go. It was, I know what I need to do. Mm. And I need to be curious about myself. Okay. So incredibly curious and interested in who I am and what I like and what I don't like. Were you? That was that was it. Those, like those are the questions that I was that I was answering. So I think about that. So I'm always asking myself those questions still. So for um, let's say if I'm at work, for example, and I go, I'm having a conversation with someone, and it's a conversation that I don't really like. <laughs> you know, I go, Ooh, I don't really like this conversation, and I go, Why not? right? Like what's going on? What does it bring? Like, what does it bring up for me? It's not enough just to say, I don't want this conversation, right? Going back to uh, kind of like the title of this, like, but why, why don't I like this? Oh, this makes me feel insignificant. Okay. Well, when have I, when else have I felt insignificant? Right. And I recognize, and so like, there are times in my current existence, my current state of being where I have the opportunity to be a, a little bit more critical and a bit more curious now than I was when I was younger. So um, as I figure out, okay, like uh, if I'm having a conversation, let's say with my ex, right? We, we broke up a couple of times <laughs> for the past couple of years after the, after the past like six months or so. And I had to think about, okay, well, why am I ending this relationship, right? It's like, oh, it's because like I had this feeling. Okay, well, what is this feel like? What's the significance of this feeling? It's like, when have I felt this feeling before? oh, I felt this when I was younger and my dad said X, Y, and Z, and I realized how much that hurt me. So I'm recognizing by staying here in this relationship as it stands, I'm willingly choosing to be hurt. And like, just because somebody else, like my father, for example, even though like I felt betrayed by him, that that doesn't now give me the green light to betray myself knowing full well that I feel betrayed in this moment. I have a choice. I'm not going to expect for my partner to change, right? I have no control over what they do, but I can make the choice to make a change. So like in me making a choice now, when as a kid, I did not, I have the opportunity to do right by myself. Now, I also have the opportunity to do right by my child self. 
and to allow her to heal as well. If I heal her, right, like I keep on getting to experience so much better things. The entirety of this podcast is dedicated to finding out why people do what they do. Um, and today, so far, I feel like there, I thought there were three versions of you. It seems like there's two. There's one who do who did things because her why was for the oh I want a better phrase for this but for the approval of others but to yep. to get that 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 reassurance that you are a good person even though you yourself didn't believe that. Um, oh. <laughs> but there's yep, be, that's exactly it. But your newer why seems to be the word why. It's more so understanding how to give yourself the uh, approval and getting used to the idea that your approval is one that is matters to yourself. Um, and it seems that you're very much still in a in a in a place of of transition, um, whereby I mean I don't know if that ever if that ever changes. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if that's ever going to stop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm cool with it. Having spent a while, but even then, all the conversations we've had so far, there's always been an element of tra- of transition uh, in your life. You've you've moved quite a few different places. I know we didn't get into it, but in the in the relationship side of things, there's been quite a few different changes as well. Um, uh, in your in your career, I mean, in sales, everything changes every second day. That's part of our our job and part of our lives. Um, I very much think that a part of your why or a big part of your why is relearning and re-establishing what your why is, um, which is a very unique perspective to have on this podcast, I think. Yeah. Um, but we will definitely come back to that. Um, so <laughs> I, think, I think what I'd like to do uh, next is I'd like to look at pre-breakdown Gabrielle uh, in our next episode I'd like to learn why she does what she does and why she did what she did there's a couple of elements uh, that we haven't actually looked at particularly uh, your time in a different country one in particular um, <laughs> and I'd love to know a little bit more as to why that version did what she did and then I think our, our third episode we will actually come back to um there are a couple of things I'd like to touch on in, in that episode, and maybe they'll change between now and then. Um, things like what ha- happens after you come out of a, 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 for want of a better phrase, a psychiatric ward, and how things change in that with people that have been constants in your life. So whether or not your relationship with your mom changed, whether or not your relationships outside of that, you've, I'm, I'm going to make the bold assumption that you've had friends for a while. Um, how that changes careers. Um, you also mentioned some other elements that I would like to talk about, but we will chat about that a little bit closer to the time. But I feel like I feel like over the next little while, what we could dive into is people can be sort of self-destructive at times. I don't think you were ever particularly self-destructive in a way where you were actively just try actively trying to self-destruct however i do feel like there was a an element whereby 
you were actively stop withholding happiness from yourself. Um, Ooh, Brian. And, uh, <laughs> um and I would I would love to talk a little bit about that because I get the feeling there may be people listening who are doing it right now and don't recognize it um and I I'd love to chat about the characteristics of someone who 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 does that and then afterwards chatting about somebody who actively decides that happiness and tries to rewrite their old patterns of behavior actively tries to decide when your brain tells you that you're not important, that you shoot back and go, yes, I am. Um, because I get the feeling there are also people who will be listening to who do things like that. Ooh, um, I have I have tips and tricks for it. It's really I, easy. I'm very much looking forward to it. Before we finish up today, is there um, anything that you'd like people to, to know about you? Um, actually, here's a question for you. Um, is there something that you wish people knew about you that they don't know about you? People that know you very well, is there just something whereby you wish people knew this about you, but don't? So I'm gonna, it's funny because my mom's like all of 10 feet away from me and she might laugh at this. Um, one thing is I am a really sensitive person. <laughs> like, oh <laughs> uh, yeah my mom was like oh gabrielle you're so sensitive um and i and i had to realize i was like yeah i, I am <laughs> like i'm it's um there there is a tendency for me to be really hard on myself which i'm having to deprogram <laughs> right and like and relearn something that is that is more more beneficial but um i think it can be really easy to this is something that i have that i grew up with uh because like for me i'm 510 um right so very tall I, I grew up playing sports um and most of the time like kind of more aggressive sport i think of, i think they're aggressive right of like basketball, for example, playing in the post, having to body people, volleyball. I was a hitter. So like I've had to hit the ball really hard. I was always trying to aim for people's faces. I was a savage. And, um, and I'm also, I have the tendency to be very, very sarcastic, right. And to joke around with folks and things like that. So, so with this, I think it can be really easy for people to go, oh, she can handle it when really it's like, no, like it's like, oh, like she can take a punch or hey, I can be like really, really tough on her <laughs> when I walk away from that. And I go, oh, man, like I, I, I it, it'll take me a while to recover. Well, then, right. So, yeah, with this we will definitely be then asking why you chose a career in tech sales, whereby 99 percent of our responses are negative. <laughs> um, Yo, my mom was just like, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she said you're like your mother. Never mind. <laughs> uh, I see how it is. Um, well, look, thank you very much for for uh, joining us today. Where would you like people to go and and find you? We'll we'll do this again. But if, if people were to try and find you, connect with you, figure out, uh, learn a little bit more about you, where should they go looking? Yeah, I mean, right now it's LinkedIn. I don't really have any other social media handles uh, that I actually use, but LinkedIn's the best way to get in contact with me. Perfect. Um, uh, next week, we will chat uh, about all of these different uh, elements. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, Me too. Thank you for joining, and I will catch up with you again next week. All right. Thanks, Brian. 
And there you have it, the life of Gabrielle Blackwell. What really struck me today is how open, honest, and vulnerable Gabrielle is. I feel like in these sessions, she's coming to terms with everything that we talk about at the same time as she describes them. Um, it's very obvious that Gabrielle has done quite a bit of self-reflection. She talks about a number of tests that she has done just to help to understand herself. Um, this idea of needing to understand yourself in order to allow other people to understand you, it's not one that I've heard before, but I'm really glad that we get to talk about it today. Um, the second thing that really struck me today was Gabrielle's description of her quote-unquote breakdown. This is not something that we will have seen on TV. This is not a breakdown that you will see in the media. This is not a description of a normal breakdown because there's no such thing as a normal breakdown. And that means that we may have had them in the past, we may have them in the future, whereby it fits the, the description, but does not necessarily fit the emotions, does not necessarily fit the feelings. And I think it's very important today to realize that these revelations, these sensations can appear differently to different people. Gabrielle wasn't able to express herself. Therefore, we, she gave a very, very descript picture of how she learned how to, how to express herself. And I wonder if anybody listening has had one of these moments and just didn't realize until today. This is not the only time we talk about this. Over the next coming couple of weeks, we talk about multiple aspects of Gabrielle's life. I very much hope that you come and join us. Next week, we talk about why somebody withholds happiness from themselves and how they learn that they're doing it. I'll chat with you then.